I am ready. I am. Holy you know, cow! After that intro music, Kenny, I'm not. I'm not ready to podcast. I'm ready to fuck. Indeed. Um, this is. I'm trying to verify whether we are actually live. We are. This is fan controlled fandom. I don't think we're live. I think we're just recording. So this is fine. This is what we want. I don't see it live on my page. Our normal app that we use to record decided to stop working. So we're using a different thing to record that links to my Twitch. And uh, it doesn't seem so. We're just recording. So everything's great. Hey, welcome. I'm Kenny welcome. Stevenson. <laughs> I'm Alex Enriquez. Hello. Yes. And thank you for joining us on another episode of Fan controlled fandom. Controlled fandom. We are in the cape space. If your character in your content is wearing a cape, be they superhero, be they knight in, in medieval or fantasy world era, maybe gallivanting around with elves, be they flying a N1, yes? Yes. Uh, cruiser through the vastness of the outer rim. It's a fighter. Uh, it's a, fine. A, a galactic despot. A uh, yeah. The the the, yeah. Uh, the middle of that uh, the, of that uh, that graph is all uh, it's capes, baby. Capes, the cape space. We're doing it, baby. Uh, that's what we're talking about today. We are talking about episode eight, the season three finale of the Mandalorian. There is. Bound to be plenty of plenty of plenty, sure, things to say. But first, we have to hit the quick pieces of nerd news in a segment we call Quick Hits. Quick, quick, quick hits. Absolutely. As long as we're still, whatever, whatever web-based recording app we are using, as long as we can still see each other and point to the sky, good things are happening. Um... A lot of various pieces of news this week, some of which are things that we've lightly touched on, some of which we have not touched on at all. We have lightly touched on the Venoms. And I know I told you how wonderful the Venoms is. And then you finally watched the first one and you were like, you're right, this this movie rules. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it just, it just, I think the way that you said it, put it too, is that he is just doing a full Buster Keaton in the, in the that's what he's doing. I mean, it's like he is doing, yeah. he is doing some like silent film, goofy. God Almighty, that movie. The second one, Alex, just is even better. It is so silly and goofy. And they just announced yesterday that Juno Temple, who plays Keeley on Ted Lasso. Do you watch Ted Lasso? I've watched the first season. Have not delved into the following seasons. Uh, well, that's season three is currently airing. It's a wonderful show. And Juno plays Keely on Ted Lasso. And she has just been cast in Venom 3. We don't have any sort of who or what she could be playing. But, I mean, we got Juno Temple and Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams in a movie about intergalactic ooze taking over people <laughs> and... Chit-chatting and chatting it up, and it's going to be silly, and I cannot wait for it immediately. I like Juno Temple quite a bit. I I, I like the energy she's going to bring to this because it feels a it feels like she can deliver the same kind of uh, chaotic energy that Tom Hardy seems to kind of pop off with in this character. Yes, it's the thing. Did you 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 watch? Did you watch the post credit sequence with Woody Harrelson? 
No, because oh I don't gosh. think I finished Venom Two Electric. Oh no, Carnaloo. Electric Oh, there's there's a teaser of Carnage at the at the end of my Alexa's talking in the background. There's a cool. Alexa, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Pardon my French. No, there's a teaser at the end of he goes to meet Woody Harrelson in like a prison. And Woody Harrelson is wearing what can only be described as a children's production of Annie wig. And, and then he doesn't wear it in the second one. But the thing that you realize when you watch like when you watch Woody's take of Carnage in the t in the post credit sequence and then when you see him and let there be Carnage is that Woody Harrelson rolls up and is like, "Oh, okay, I see what we're doing here." Like we're not this isn't uh this isn't DCU. This is barely even MCU stuff. We are we are strict. We are it's like the inverse of the MCU. We're not taking this seriously, but we are going to play that unseriousness super freaking serious <laughs> yeah on the screen it's a it's it's a it's a matter of understanding the assignment and i think that that's something that we you and i really appreciate when it happens i think hugh grant in dungeons and dragons oh, is an example yes. of that uh, all the way point. back to sir alec guinness as obi-wan kenobi but yeah uh, like i yeah i i think that I, I think that yeah what i did see of woody harrelson's like performance and yeah everybody in these movies these are high caliber oscar nominated slash winning actors who just yeah they let it all hang out and and thank god somebody's letting them i know and and i, I do love this idea of juno temple she does feel like like it, you know obviously tom hardy is like hey guys whatever number you think you're going to be operating at, I'm going to be at a higher number than you so you need to chat like i'm already going to be just know that i'm starting at 12 so let that be, let that measure your own performance. I do feel like Juno Temple is somebody that could be like, okay, I'll meet your the 12. Way, here's my, here's my 11. The moment somebody hits his, his 11 with a 12, he just puts them in an old judo chop kind of, you know, figure yeah. four lock or something. He's a, he's a blue yeah. belt. He, he, his, Tom, Tom Hardy is a blue belt. Have you seen, you've seen the video of him kicking a dude's ass in a competition, <laughs> he, right? Yes. Awesome. He is there. Gosh, there's so many levels of just God. Tom Hardy. I've already told the story here before about where the, but now you've seen the scene where there goes into the restaurant and, and goes into the fish tank and starts eating the yes. lobster. Yes. The, and knowing, the knowing the background of that, knowing the background of that as I'm watching it made it that much. It was like eating a meal and knowing the history of the chef or something. It's like, oh, yeah. That, oh my God. It's so rich. <laughs> it's yeah. so rich. They built so this rich. damn thing for him to flop around in and eat a lobster. It's great. <laughs> it's yeah, great. Those, quick recap of the story. Tom Hardy, producer on the film, walks in to where they're shooting that scene that and because he gets to do all the location scouting, goes, oh, well, Venom's going in that fish tank. And they were like, well, no, that's not listed that fish tank can't hold you. He's like, well, I don't care. Venom's going in that fish tank and Venom's going to eat lobster. And so they had to build a tank for him to get in and then come up with something for him to eat because he can't just like take a live lobster and eat it. There's people so, with that kind of power and sway who use uh, it to, to uh, invade countries. And this gentleman is using it to, uh, you know, snap, snap. I'm going to, I'm going to go nutso in a, in a little fishy tank. Yeah. It's that I love that whole scene to me is just like, 
uh, you guys are going to be doing one scene and I'm going to be doing my shit. And the only thing I need you to do is to not step on my shit because I'm going to be doing some crazy shit and I just need you to not step on it. Just don't step on my shit. <laughs> do you think Do you think that's Tom Hardy warning people beforehand or the people around Tom Hardy? Because I, and I, I do, this is a genuine question because what I know of Tom Hardy, he seems like the kind of guy who might get, hey, once the cameras are rolling, I could be a bit of a handful. So just, you know, let's just roll. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, that's a good question. I don't know if he is because maybe because he's a British trained actor, he has that level to be like turn it on and off. Because I don't think he goes like full Leto, where it's like I'm just Venom all the time. But like, I do think there is probably some level of like, hey guys, I watched when I, the camera I, when the camera's on. You better, you know, I'm gonna be playing. I'm playing, you know, five on five. You guys might be just playing, you know three on three or like uh uh lightning or something but i'm i'm, I'm going all out sorry they're gonna be skipping rope uh, i did see a brief interview with anthony hopkins where they he he just says oh no i i showed up but i did the lines and i left like talking about playing hannibal lecter just oh i'll like, tell you i'll tell you a great to, like, story turn turn his brain you know i'll tell you a great story so my my lovely wife took an acting class to one of the schools she studied here in la she uh, Sir Tony Hopkins came and taught a class and she was able to take a class with him for like 10, eight to 10 weeks. This is how Sir Tony Hopkins prepares for a role. He takes the script, he reads it every single page. And then he, on the back of the script, he writes a mark. And then he goes back and he reads the script again. And when he has 20 marks on the back of the script, he says, I'm ready. <laughs> That's it. Wow. All he, all he does is read the script a bunch. So he just knows. So he knows the script. He knows everyone's lines. Knows all the, he just knows it in his mind. And that's it. He doesn't do like, well, I'm supposed to be playing a, uh, you know, an Alzheimer's patient or who's suffering from dementia. And my world is, but no, he just reads the script. And then when it, he's read the script, he shows up, whether it's, you know, Hannibal Lecter or Transformers Four or whatever the f he was in. As 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 John Gielgud said said to Dustin Hoffman famously, Dustin, it's called acting. Yeah, baby. <laughs> um, another piece of news. This is I put I moved this up just because I found this to be one of the most stupidest things. We very often on this show talk about how James Gunn's pretty much ninety five percent of his current existence is. <laughs> squashing trolls who are like have zero who just have nothing better to do with their lives so this week this week um james gunn who yes he is in charge of dc but he does have a movie coming out in two weeks which we will cover here on this podcast a movie that i am very looking forward to guardians of the galaxy volume three a movie that he directed Absolutely. the he directed the other two he directed the holiday special so he has directed like four pieces of content so he posted a picture on his Instagram, and it's a picture of him and Chris Pratt and Palm Clementif and his brother. And they're all, they came to set on, on Guardians 3 wearing shirts of him. And it's just an Instagram picture, and it just says, about a year ago, everyone showed up to set wearing a me shirt made by my friend Nathan Fillion. To which somebody then commented, and I will do this in what I assume is their actual voice. 
The worst business that DC could do was hire someone who advertises the competition. Unbelievable. Now you can imagine what their movies are going to be like. I think it's a disaster. To which James Gunn responded by saying, the last thing DC would want is someone who would spend the last 12 years of his life creating a series of films and then turn his back on the last movie he created and poured his heart and souls into, as well as his collaborators and the investors. I wasn't hired at DC without everyone on board being very clear and supportive up front and continuously through this process. Not only do I, he went on to then later say, not only do I love Kevin Feige, he was the first person I told after I did the deal with DC. Contrary to popular belief, a dollar less for Marvel is not a dollar more for DC. DC and Marvel have the common goal of keeping the theatergoer experience vibrant and alive. I mean, just, I feel like we say it a lot on this show, but like seriously, get a fucking life. Pardon my French. Uh, people like this are the reason that I never used to tell people that I was a comic book fan or any of that stuff. Ooh, like, that's a wonderful point. Yes. This is like they assume you're this guy. Uh, in, and, <laughs> you know, I, this I, this lines up with another tweet Which I saw. Somebody we don't even have, at, we're, not, we're not even being gendered. It's definitely a dude. That is definitely yeah, a dude. Uh, dude this ahead. is a cisgendered heterosexual male. White, between, white male. White male between 15 and 30. Th 47. I, I, yeah, I, I, I saw somebody tweet at James Gunn saying... And I may have read some tone into it, but their general question was, how are you going to get Superman legacy off the ground while you're wrapping up while you're on a press tour for Guardians of the Galaxy 3? And and it's an interesting question about how somebody at that level might juggle competing priorities. But it it, it wasn't that. It was huh, look. I guess they muffed the ball again. They got this guy. He's just gonna. He's just gonna turn turn Superman into Spider Man. And then they're all. I don't know. I'm so. I'm so sick of these fucking people, man. I. It's. It's truly like. It's something that I wish I could say like would go away, but it's like one thousand percent not going to go away. But, and I think it, it's it's such a weird thing that we've kind of hit with some of this stuff in fandom and this is a larger conversation where and we, but we talk about this all the time is like you know toxic ownership this idea that somehow the content that is being given to us is people think that it's they can have some sort of say like no filmmakers are just making we understand that there's a built-in audience for these things but at the same time like you have to just let people do stuff period end of story <laughs> like judge also, it for what it is but don't judge it the person for what they're doing like you know it's weird get straight in your head also that this is ultimately business that these the, and and take take make no mistake i have characters that i love and have and feel have been involved in my life you know i just i i i live near golden apple comics over here in los angeles and yeah. i was just in there recently and they had the 30th anniversary of superman the, the death of superman i think it's superman number 75 the 30th anniversary of the release of that issue commemorative issue and i i saw it and i just i i don't ever interact with people like this but i looked at the at the guy behind the counter and i said i waited in line outside the original location down the block 30 years ago when they were releasing the death 
issue and I got the armband and the whole thing. And, um, it's like, yeah, that's a part of my life that I'm, con that I'm connected to. But I also know he's a pawn in a chess game that people who think NFTs are cool will ultimately be in control of. And Superman will have logos on him like a NASCAR uh, uh, car at some point. And I don't know. It's, I, don't, I don't let that ruin my fucking day. And if that's it the, yeah, does, that's, don't. Yeah, that's, that's the overarching message here is that, like... If if something is a different idea than what you have in your head, that's not an in, that's not an affront against you. Like you, you let thing like your experience is your experience. That's personal, and somebody else has another experience. And just for the love of Pete, just go outside, dog. Like touch some grass. Go for a hike. Let be odd. This world is amazing and awe-inspiring. And there's go out and be odd and wowed by the world rather than being like, you know what James Gunn needs to hear is like, God, let the man exist in the world. You know what? I just want to say to the creators of the show that you and I currently exist in called The Universe, can we, when it reboot or season two, can we do it again without that kind of person? Just to try it, because I think I don't think that behavior exists in a vacuum. I think the people pestering James Gunn are the same kind of people who, uh, you know, they're, they're they're red hats. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're women abusers. They're probably like the next tweet they send out is telling Andrew Tate, "Hey, I, you know, I'm I, I don't like men, but if you ever needed sexual satisfaction, I would do it for you." Yeah, um, gave, not gave knowing money what that to, meant for them. Gave money to Kyle Rittenhouse's. Uh, uh. Uh, defense fund. I, I you know, uh, I don't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we could, we could, we, we could live here all day. Uh, let's talk about something that we keep saying we want to talk about, but neither one of us has Paramount Plus. So maybe like someone, somebody give us their login so we can watch some of this content. Paramount announced what they are calling a phase two of their Star Trek content, which is going to start off with a movie. Starring Michelle, recent Academy Award winner Michelle Yeoh, uh, who, who is in the pilot for Star Trek Discovery, but then I believe comes back. I'm not fully into, I don't know the full length of the show, but she's coming back to play Emperor Philippa Georgiou, which is her character. I probably butchered that name, in a movie that is going to start off phase two of the franchise called Star Trek Section 31. It was originally designed as a show, but it will actually be a movie that will launch on Paramount Plus that is being described as Mission Impossible meets Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, I don't care. Let's go. Let's do it. Give it to me. Put it directly into my Let's veins. Do, give, I, me, give me Paramount Plus. I'm just what, phase two of what? Well, because what they're saying is Star Trek Discovery is ending its run. Picard is ending. I mean, that leaves the only current content is... Star Trek Strange New World, um, which is led by Anson Mount's Christopher Pike, uh, which is many fans have held. I'm just reading this directly. And there's two animated series, Lower Decks and Prodigy. The phase two push is supposed to, I'm trying to get here. It's just a big build out the streaming universe. That's all. There's going to be new Star Trek series announcements coming soon. Um, it just They're just building out the franchise you know it's just like right. every other every other streamer we got this ip how can we exploit it i i guess it's 
yeah, the interconnectedness is is more. You know, I, I'm used to thinking of the phases in how Marvel does them. Like, what's this interconnected thing we're going to do? Which Star Trek, I don't think, is normally done because, like Star Wars, you're telling multiple stories at multiple different parts of the timeline. Yeah. So it says here they want to do uh, the franchise captain Alex Kurtzman wants to do a streaming movie every two years as he steers the ship beyond Discovery and Picard, that's via The Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, let's go. Section 31. I mean, I, 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 do, I do slightly lament the idea that they're trying to distill this thing down into other kinds of movies it can mimic because, as we will indicate later in the show, Star Trek is its own thing. Yep. Um, the, the more, you know, I, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it, I, I would. I think you're right. I would love it to be something that it exists on its own. Discovery's great. I really like Discovery. What I, I haven't finished it, but I've seen it. But please, I think the overarching thing that we want to get out there is that someone please give us their uh, login to Paramount Plus so we can watch these shows because I, I want to. I, I've literally not seen anything of uh, Strange New Worlds, which I does. I do hear is great, and I want to watch. Section 31 and Lower Decks, I've seen the first season. It's fantastic. I mean, come on. I'm a big fan of uh, The Next Generation, so Picard is a big draw. TNG, yeah, I'm going to watch the episodes of that. Actually, I think I saw one where somebody says, fuck, pardon my French. Hey, if they could say it on Star Trek Picard, we can say it on fan control fandom. Let's talk about some positive James Gunn news. James Gunn, besides having to like fight off, you know, some guy living in his mom's basement. Uh, sorry, I have a cold. That's why I'm sniffling. Um, he did announce this week that pre-production has started on Superman Legacy. So there we go there. We have no casting announcements. We have nothing. Pre-production just means they're like, you know, possibly scouting locations. Maybe they're like, they're doing like mock-ups of drawings. I mean, they are very, we're still probably a solid seven to eight months away from actually putting anything on tape for this bad boy. But I mean, that's exciting news. Yeah, we're going to hear casting pretty soon, I'd, I'd assume. I mean, they've started that. Uh, oh, I think he already has people cast already, for sure. Really? Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be like one day, it's going to be like, Superman is Chris Pratt, and Lois Lane is Zoe Saldana, and <laughs> Lex Luthor is Dave Bautista. He, who, okay, <laughs> uh, quick question. That, who, I'm who, just who trying to piss some, people off. Who are some Superman no-gos for you? For me, Chris Pratt just does not work for me. Uh, yeah, I feel like, I don't know if there's any, like, no-goes. Like, to me, it's like, what what I don't, what I, I guess for me, I'm not as precious with Superman as you are. The only thing I want from Superman is I want more, I want more, like, I want more of, like, an, oh, I mean, I can't try to phrase it. I don't want, like, a look as much as I want somebody who can carry it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want somebody who photographs well as Superman. Like, there's so many people that think he needs, oh, he's got to look good when he's standing up and puffing out his chest. Like, that's, that's, that's like, to me, like, I think if Henry Cavill, like, looks like Superman, sure. But did he really, like, like, him as Clark Kent is like, get, get out of here, man. Like, I would yes. be like, why is that linebacker playing, why is that linebacker, like, pretending to be a dork like get out of here like i needed to be and i felt that and then the casting choice of brandon routh in the superman of uh, the 
Brian Singer, that piece of garbage, his movie was that, okay, the guy's just doing a Christopher Reeve impression. And and I just feel like more often than not, and then even like with the TV shows, it's all like, yeah, the guy looks like him, but I don't want it necessarily just to look like Superman. I want, I want the person to actually be able to exude some of the qualities in the performance. You know what I mean? So that I to totally me, like, agree. that's like, that's, I don't know who that makes a no, no for me because I mean, I don't, I don't think Chris Pratt is necessarily right for the role, but I do think if whatever, some dumb reason, that's the way they decided to go. I do think he has, if you want, like, his Parks and Rec's character is very earnest and there's an earnestness that needs to exist in Superman. So I don't think it would be something he couldn't do. You know, they, they strike a really great balance between the Clark and the Superman, uh, in all-star Superman, which I think is one of the, I've talked about it a lot on this show. I think it's one of the reference materials they're using for this next take. Yeah. And you even see some Clark in Superman. There is some, and I don't mean inside. I mean, like in the way he physically handles things, he can, you know, he, he seems still like Clark because he is. And uh, I think, yeah, you're right. I, I think Christopher Reeve was really great as as those two kind of sides. Yes. By the way, Brandon Routh is playing the Christopher Reeve Superman canonically. I know. Turns is a is a, a is Superman a three. It ignores super, four. It ignores the quest for peace. I the believe greatest, so. The greatest Superman movie. So it's not Superman three. It's Superman four. No. Oh, I think it ignores three and four and is a direct sequel oh, to two. two. I think you're right about that. Yeah, I just like didn't. There's something I feel like they always feel like they have to get him right visually. And I just am like, I'd rather you get the character than the poster. That's my take. And I feel okay. like based on the names I keep hearing, I keep hearing like, but he looks so much like him. I'm like, I don't care if they like, I like, sure. I don't want you to cast like Jared Leto, but I mean, I don't know. Jared Leto's Superman take might be kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> if he, if he, in playing, in playing a guy who at one point in the story is, uh, you, you has to use crutches to get around, and he's he, Jared Leto is using crutches on around set to stay with it. What does he do to stay in character if he's playing? A Kryptonian I need, Superman. I need I need to be off the ground at all times. I need to um, be like he needs to be pulled around on a crane at all times. And guess what? He has he has an Italian accent. I just he's a, he's a good at talking like this. I am a Kalel. <laughs> I think I pictured him just now in a. They just kind of tape laser pointers to both his temples, so he has heat vision around at like, all times, running around like oh god, my powers are out of control. Um, totally. So that's some good news. I've got one more piece of news here. Uh, Chris Evans came out while doing press for his new movie, Ghosted, with Ana de Armas. Came out and said that he feels like it's too soon to come back to Captain America, which to me just means he will definitely be in Secret Wars. That, that or he's just, you know, there also wouldn't be a too soon at a certain dollar amount. That's exactly, that was going to say my second thing is he's also like, um, it's like when NBA players, when like free agencies coming out and they're like, oh yeah, I'm definitely talking to the Lakers. They just say that so that the Knicks can be like, oh, well, the shoot, here's more money then, you know, like they're, just, they're just, 
they just use the Lakers to try to get more money for whoever they're trying to get money from. So he's just being like, I think it's a little too soon. And then they're like, all right, that's another 10 on that. Oh, no, it's I, the I, right I'm, time. I'm reading, I'm reading the rest of the interview. He actually says, uh, you might say the amount of time has been too low to return. So uh, <laughs> I think it's pretty, you know, nail on the head right there. I mean, he's seen, like, he was there during Endgame. And, like, he was obviously somebody who had to, like, be on set every day. You know, he wasn't, like, you know, like uh, Evangeline Lilly doing her one scene in front of a green screen back in her house in Vancouver. Like, she, he was, like, there every day because he and Chris Hemsworth had to fight, like, you know, Manic and Josh Brolin. But, um, like, <laughs> he knows that for Secret Wars, all he has to do is, like, get out his iPhone and a ring light and just go, like, assemble. And that's all he's got to do and give him $40 million for it. I mean. And, and all of our hearts. Yeah. No, I if there's – I don't see – that's why it's so weird to me. And we'll talk about this when we actually watch uh, Guardians – that they keep pushing this like end it's the end this is the last time this is their final time i'm like yes i do think people are definitely going to die in this movie coming up however we still need groups of people to fight in secret wars so <laughs> there is going to be some sort of team at the end of this maybe it's peter and gamora go off and it's rocket and groot and uh mantis and we get venom we get tom hardy in there like then and, and whatever we'll just right. mix and match but you gotta have a team because the guardians and the eternals and the avengers and the x-men and everyone's got to fight in the fantastic four they all got to fight in secret wars and who the hell knows gonna be playing kang but that's got to happen too so a lot of stuff has to happen I've brought it up before, but Guardians of the Galaxy, in the same way that Avengers or Justice League, you know, it, it, it has been this bucket into which a lot of different groupings of superheroes have been yep. thrown, including uh, Iron Man, Venom. I believe when Venom, the symbiote, was bonded with Flash Thompson, Flash Thompson. Was the Spider-Man bully. Flash um, Thompson, who has no legs. Like The Venom gives him legs. He's got his he, legs. Yeah, he's a he lost his legs in the war. Yeah, yeah. a wounded veteran. Uh and uh, and thing from Fantastic Four. Yes, Wars I was gonna say Guardians of the Galaxy. Thing has been there. I mean, it's great. I'll probably make another Hoopla recommendation for a great Guardians run. There's tons of great teams where there's one. I think I've already recommended one where, yeah, it's that team. It's Kitty Pride. It's Venom. It's Thing. And then Peter Quill is running his dad's planet. His dad in this comic canon is not Ego. It's like a another guy. Anyway. So I just feel like Chris Evans is a thousand percent going to be. This is this to me just telegraphs that he's definitely going to be, be in Avengers Secret Wars. So anyway, we are on the Fan Controlled Sports Entertainment Network, Fan Controlled TV feed. This is our one piece of sports news to appease our gods. Alex, take us to the paddock. Formula One racing, go. Okay. Well, it's uh, we've got the inaugural Las Vegas Grand Prix coming up Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, very very exciting. Coming um, up Thanksgiving weekend, that's seven months away, but sure. Okay. So what's the threshold for something coming up? I don't know. Like in the distance? Ooh. Wait, you seem you seem to have a very sorry. strong opinion about it. In the I don't want to segment. go. I know. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I don't mean to apologize. Sorry. Go ahead. As I was saying, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
uh, it's been revealed uh, via the F1 with DRS podcast uh, that there will be 30,000 tickets released uh, very soon under for under $500. Uh, these will be called <laughs> Festival Zone tickets. Uh, and But the catch is these will provide no view of the race. Um, <laughs> it, you'll... <laughs> the the projected income of the Las Vegas event is one point three billion dollars. For scale, the Super Bowl does six hundred to eight hundred million. So this is going to be around double what a Super Bowl might bring to the city. Again, that's with wow. that's uh, that's via the F one with DRS podcast Instagram. Wow, five hundred dollars with no view of the race. You just get to breathe the fumes and uh, you know possibly get hit with tire pebbles. I know you're already in Vegas, so you're already getting hepatitis. So it's not yeah. a you know you're just, you're gonna you're, you're coming home with something. That's for sure. That slap bracelet they put on you at the border ensures that you have hepatitis. <laughs> uh, my piece of sports news is, of course, the Lakers have uh, even the they're playing the Memphis Grizzlies one to one game coming up on Saturday. Arsenal still atop the table, however, they tied with West Ham. Man City is on their heels. I want to talk about alternative football because fan-controlled football is a sport that they uh, produce. Over the weekend, we had two conflicting spring leagues playing as XFL was in their ninth week and USFL was in their first week. And as a fan of alternative football, I had eight alternative football games I could have watched over the weekend, and I have watched most of them. I do I do prefer the XFL over the USFL because the USFL is owned by Fox, and during a USFL broadcast, you will get advertisements for shitty shows on Fox News, which to me just sequels just, just lets me know where that advertising dollars are going. Uh, but I mean, for somebody who is a fan of, of watching football, that is not the NFL because the NFL will not let Colin Kaepernick play because of his stance his true stance that uh, police brutality affects uh, black and brown people. Uh, I was in heaven watching all these alternative leagues and weird, goofy names and all kinds of goofy uniforms. It's it was it was heaven. Anywho, Amazing! I, I know it. that's my piece of sports news, Alex. I mean, let's just cut to the chase. You have been just crushing it with our sponsorships, our ad reads every week. Who's our corporate or corporate underwriter for the show this week? Uh, it's Marcel's in Saints Emporium. Uh, this is a store in the neighborhood that uh, they only they only stock bad smelling incense. Insane. <laughs> uh, so Marcel wanted everybody and wanted our listeners to know that uh, they've got such classic such classics as coworker breath, <laughs> side pit, and a brand new one called scooched booty. <laughs> Head on, oh. head on down to Marcel's Insane's Emporium. You'll say it's insane. <laughs> you most certainly will. Coworker breath is solid. That is never, very... never good, is it? Never. Good. <laughs> no, it's not. Especially when you're working from home and your only coworker is yourself. Sometimes the smell is coming from inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> That was Here's very our, enjoyable. I know we did it, and now we're on to our main topic, baby. Um, the season finale of Din, the Adventures of Din Jaren, and now Din Grogu, and episode eight 
of The Mandalorian, I will say, we should say now, spoiler alert, if thank you for listening to a full 30 minutes of podcasting before yeah, getting before, here, yeah, if you have not you. seen The Mandalorian, the finale of Mandalorian, you should probably like skip it or something. This is, uh, I'm trying to pull up something while I'm talking. This is called vamping. Uh, because I'm trying to get a quick little recap because I, I could do a recap in my head, but I kind of want to really do it in a, a better. Are you ready? I'm, I was born ready. Here we go. Episode uh, chapter 24, The Return, directed by Rick Famuyiwa. Thank you. We got there written by John Favreau. Bo-Katan and her reconnaissance squad retreat from Moff Gideon's base. Upon returning to the Mandalorian flagship, Axe Wolves, as, as if somebody who's trying to say wolves, sends the, <laughs> remaining, sends the remaining Mandalorians to reinforce the planetary troops while he defends the ship from Imperial TIE squadrons. With assistance from Grogu, Din Jarin, which I'm now seeing is spelled D-I-N-D-J, the D is silent, there's two D's. He's double D. Din Jarin. Double did you know D. That? Did you know yeah. that? Yeah. I did not. I thought it was Din Jarin. Anyway, destroy. Anyway, escapes from captivity and seeks out Gideon. Jarin and Grogu discover cloning tanks filled with clones of Gideon who can use the Force, and Jarin destroys them. After a lengthy skirmish between the Mandalorians and the Beskar enhanced stormtroopers within the base, Bo-Katan, Jarin, and Grogu make a final stand against Gideon and his Praetorian guards, in which the Dark Saber is destroyed. Wolves rams the Mandalorian capital ship into the Imperial base, and Gideon is consumed by the resulting blast. Grogu protects Bo-Katan and Jaren from the blast with a force bubble. After the battle, he, the Mandalorians restart the Great Forge at the heart of Mandalore, and Jaren formally adopts Grogu. By just saying it, I feel like in a long, long time ago, those adoptions were a lot easier than they are now. Yeah, after, not a lot after, of paperwork. Just like, I want to adopt him. Okay, this is the way. Afterwards, Jaren takes up honest contract work with Carson Tiva and moves into a cabin on the outskirts of Navarro's capital. I have a lot of questions about this. As previously offered to him by Grief Karga, while IG-11 is rebuilt by the Anzelian mechanics to serve as Navarro's new marshal. That's a recap. Alex, thoughts on the episode? So satisfying. So good. So fun. So much. So cool. Yeah. This this episode was like we always ask: Is it Star Trek or Star Wars? This was like the Star Warsiest Star Wars that you can ever. But at the same time, gave us stuff that we just haven't seen. They have really locked in on this like camera that we put on the side of something that's flying. Oh, I love and that. We got, I love that. We got cameras on the sides of people's helmets as they're flying through the air. Up as Axe Wolves is going through the clouds and coming up on the ships and people flying into caverns. We had an air fight. I mean, good God, the whole Mandalorians flying through the air with the dark Bo-Katan is the dark saber. The armorers got hurt and they're just like fighting in the air. Let's not like disregard the fact that we know from a previous episode that there's not a, that they can't just run those things forever because they run out of gas. Yeah. We're, we're forgetting that shit. We are all in. Even the people who have been stuck on Mandalore since the Purge, I don't know where they're getting their fuel, but they all got fuel. And I don't give a shit because this this was awesome. This it was a fucking rocked. This was an awesome, like, for all the things 
that this episode, like in the back, and well, this is a question I have honor that we thought maybe could, like who could show up? Because, you know, they, they gave us Luke Skywalker in the end of, of season two. So of course, and it was, and it was also basically a backdoor pilot for Book of Boba Fett. They literally teased Book of Boba Fett at the end of, so, you know, we know we have all these things coming down the pipeline. So it's like, oh my God, is someone going to show up? Is who is, or what's going to happen? None of that. They just focused on the characters, because I think we did get so far away from Din and Grogu at times in this season to focus on Bo-Katan's story. But this was, not only was it visually interesting, the set pieces were great, but I feel like character-wise, we were just focused on Din and Grogu, and that's like the heart of the goddamn show, and it was great. I, it was just so, such a awesome, there were so many points I was like, ooh, that's cool. Ooh, that's cool. It it did one of the better jobs thus far of playing with the toys. Yes. Um, I, the, the entire... I was so taken with the entire air battle. I don't think I'd ever seen characters in flight fighting like that. The style that they were able to kind of bring to it. I have to think that the the style slash reality that they were able to sort of meld in some, especially those shots where you've got like just two or three figures flying, fighting, whatever in, you know, in focus in the, in, on, on screen. I have to think that the volume allows them to kind of do flight sequences in a way that we haven't seen before for, for whatever reason. Yeah. The physics of it was yes. really cool. Like the part of me feels like, like, as much as I be, I love being able to just like put my kid to bed, and then all two minutes later, I'm watching Star Wars content. I do feel like God, this would be kind of cool um, to see this on the big screen. Absolutely. And that well, was the first time we're we're going to. I mean, I know we are, which is great. So that gave me some. Uh, some hope there. Sorry, literally being asked when the podcast is showing up from from Josh McCuga. <laughs> so I'm going to send him an email real quick, and this is all staying in the podcast. Yeah, tell tell I'll 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 give you some kind of messaging to send his way. Hey, Josh, currently uh, recording. <laughs> for God's sake, would you get off our fucking backs? <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> we love you josh uh, we do we do absolutely thank I you i just for... said hey josh currently recording will be sent soon yeah. um anyway by the way hey we've not missed an episode have we no, no we, have. we, we, we had we had one it. week the week i got covid that was the week we couldn't do it because i was just dying i was just dying well I'll, I'll say this then i have not missed an episode this is true because you did. There was that we have the we have the we have the, the phantom episode that maybe one day the lost episode that one day will drop for like fans and we have, when we have a Patreon going. That'll be the first thing we get through our Patreon page. Make sure you give it to our Patreon page. You get the free lost episode of Fan Control Fandom. Um, I, I have a I have a question. So I have many questions. Um, so now that we got the full season, we got basically what we got was we got. Mandalore has been restored. Um, we have Bo-Katan ha is now in charge. She doesn't need the Darksaber to be in charge. She, they, all of Mandalore has been united. Din and Grogu, that was kind of what was the mission of the season. 
looking back at this whole season, what's our thoughts? I mean, I know I feel like we overall liked it and enjoyed it. Do but looking at different episodes here and there, did it all work? I I'm going to reserve judgment on that. Uh, yeah, ultimately. because there, there's need, a lot of criticism out there about this season. I do need to watch it all over again because there's I have so much enthusiasm that I ride into these things with, and so much excitement that it's it is hard to kind of get a a firm footing. Sure, on I what think. the what the actual judgment of it is. Um, which then I also go, why? <laughs> but uh, totally, I, I I do. I did mention earlier, maybe three or four episodes back in in the show, that there was an episode that kind of bumped me for the first time. And there, and even thinking about it now, there you can say maybe like, oh, maybe it was a little too easy for Bo Katan to kind of everybody just went like, yes, you. Even even Axe Woves after he he, he fights her, but then. You know, he he throwing in with her and making the ultimate sacrifice for her, and you know Din Djarin saying, "Oh, you've got character and and style and grace," or whatever he said to her. <laughs> you've got style. <laughs> you've got grace. Credit Garbo gave good face. Strike a pose yeah. vote. Uh, I th I think I think they both could and should. Um, yeah. I, I what I'm left most with is is. Uh, interesting sort of questions thinking about going forward, you know, like uh, the idea that this ragtag kind of small group of Mandalorians was able to route a group of troop Imperial trooper troopers like this makes it a very interesting proposition why they aren't around 30 years later at the battle of Exegol or throughout that, like the rise of the first order. Uh, what is the, what's the closing of that Ooh. loop? That's like a good. Are we gonna get like Mandalore destroyed again? Mandalore just takes, just constantly takes losses. They are just taking L's left and right. But now maybe in a better footing to forge a better future because it was very, very clear. Is I think it was in this episode that they they find new life growing under the surface. Yes, that's and true. And they they talk about how oh well you know maybe it was like the thousand years of civil wars on this planet between Mandalorians that made the landscape uh, unerable. But they have this new thing where the masked ones and the unmasked ones can live together and they're all united behind this person and, and they all, they see this, the, uh, the benefit of unity. Yeah. That was that one, that scene with the like return of the floor, the fauna and flora. That was my only scene where I was like, wait, cause they get there and they're like, Oh, we can, we can lay low here for a little bit. And then they like have this, expositional speech about how everything here has been still alive. And then all of a sudden, like to, and two minutes later, it's like, okay, let's go. And they got up and I was like, wait, we're, so we're just like, we're going to stay here long enough to get the information that we need. And then we're going to leave. And it's like, okay. Like they could have like literally just cut away to something and cut back and it's done passage of time or whatever, but it was a little weird, but whatever. I don't, this, this show, this show, like a lot of people had problems with this season. This show to me is falling victim, not victim, but like like everything else we talk about. It's people have so many nits to pick that they just sometimes just are picking nits. And it's just like, just take it for what it is, man. Like we're still ultimately talking about people flying around on jetpacks, shooting lasers. So like, you know. Like just... all, all in service of selling toys ultimately. So yes or slash merchandising generally. Yeah, so exactly. 
yeah, g- give it give it a break. What, what's it supposed to be? Exactly. But we do get a sort of setup for season four. Now, not not, not in terms of like linear story, but we do get what is kind of teased is of a more like return to what the first couple episodes of this whole show was, was that, you know, he was a bounty hunter and he, you know, often in seasons one and season two, whenever he didn't needed money for anything, he would go off and do a job and we had a kind of job of the week kind of setup. And that's basically what we have set up for his character, whether we're going to see them again. I don't know. We didn't think we were going to see Din and Grogu again until Mandalorian season three, but we got two full episodes of them in Boba Fett. So I don't know who's to know that one, two episodes of skeleton crew are just going to be like Din and Grogu, you know, fighting Cad Bane, who's back from the dead, you know, whatever. It could be like anything, (laughs) which that's my pitch there for anyone listening. I want to see Din fight Cad Bane again. Um, but I do think that's what we we've set up. I don't fully under, I'll just ask this question now. I don't fully understand why. So Din, Grogu becomes Din Grogu. He becomes his son. He's his official foundling. He's his apprentice. There is, then the armorer says you have to go on like a quest, like your father did with you. And then they have to leave mandalore and everyone and go to and go live on navarro i didn't understand why they had to leave mandalore do you understand why they had to leave mandalore because they because they said so i think there's there's a testing yeah once you once you've taken somebody on like that maybe it's the idea is you have to solidify that relationship paz vizsla was chilling on the beach you know, with all the beach boys and his family, they were shooting stuff into the water and stuff. I don't understand why that, why he, why Grogu and he, I mean, whatever. If it's, I did some quick sh- math in my head though. Hold on a second. If you, if you'll permit me, uh, I will. is, is, was Paz Vizla's kid. Do we explicitly know it was a foundling? Cause he said it was his son. I don't know. I do believe he said a foundling, but also too, that was, he was getting the armor on. We didn't know that if when Paz Vizla, and he and the kid were on some journey before. He, we don't know if, like, prior to us in the start of this season when we saw this kid getting the armor put on, if prior to that he and Paz Vizla were out, like, gallivanting across the universe before they came back. I mean, their know. life was a gallivant across the universe. The idea now is, like, they haven't been able to be on Mandalore in a way rooted enough that they can leave it to have their adventures until they got back to Mandalore, their life was an adventure on the road in the, the uh, covert. The covert, the covert, if they were the gallop, hashtag gallivanting covert. But um, I do, it did. It, the reason I'm quibbling about the foundling thing is because immediately in my head, I was picturing that big hulking man and a, a, a little Mandalorian lady going to pound town, both with their helmets oh on. That, <laughs> I'm glad. no, I'm glad we're going here. Okay. This is adult. <laughs> this is a straight up here adult content. Okay. I've, I've, this is a, there's clearly kids there. Okay. Yeah. But it sounds like the kids are all foundlings because I do think, I do think they say that Paz Vizla's, they say foundling. So I do, does this mean that every man, every children of the watch is a found person or. Are these people like helmet on, pounding it out like raw dog and helmet on? No, no kissing. No, absolutely no kissing. No kissing, helmet on, pound town. Like, I, is that what's happening? I, I have 
so many questions because like a lot of people were trying to say that like, oh, well, Bo-Katan and the Armorer have like electric chemistry. But then other people are like, oh no, Bo-Katan and Din are gonna hook up because then that's like the full found family. You got the mom, the dad, and the kid. And I'm like, but Bo could take off her helmet, but he's gotta keep his, I just like questions. I got a lot of questions about Mandalorians, raw dogging it, having a good time, you know, whatever. Being, living their lives and doing what as you know as people do. How does that go down? I, that's all. I want at least a full episode about just Mandalorians getting it on. Do you think maybe they just like they stay in their full battle gear and just take out the pertinent bits? I hope not. I don't want to get too graphic, but that is like the weirdest stuff to me when I'm watching <laughs> when I'm per, per adult content. And like dudes still have like their pants on. It's just weird to me. Like that that has to hurt against the zipper. Like that's I don't yeah. want something. I don't want something that literally is described as having teeth as a zipper does that close to my dong. But hey, I mean, look, first this is premium content we're getting right now. Yeah, yeah. This would be this would be the premium. This would be like the hundred dollar a month level. Yeah, Patreon content. content. This is, I was gonna say, this is the clip they play when we're accepting our Webby Awards. <laughs> yeah, is is Kenny talking about zipper on boner dongs? But yeah, no, I don't think I think that armor, I don't see any ac easy access there. I think you got to go at least bottom on not armor. with a zipper, but Velcro's no, way sure. better. I think you definitely got to go like shirt cocking and like you know, dot, you got to have the top on because the top takes too much time. I think it's just bottoms only. Bottoms only, helmet on, and no kissing. And uh, but there is no bottoms only on a Mandalorian suit. I believe if if Boba Fett's outfit is believed to be prototypical or or just typical of of a Mandalorian's outfit, that's a jumpsuit, friend. There okay, well no... then we got to go all. Let's go all in. Then just helmet on, and we just see what happens. You roll it down to the ankles and pull it at your feet, and you never step out of it while you're making. And you only I, do it in doggy. You know what I don't like is when a guy's wearing socks in the thing. I'm like, come on, man. Like, you couldn't take a second and just... Have some pride. Have some pride in yourself. Anyway, yeah. let's talk about... <laughs> let's just, like... Let's just take a real hard left and get back on track here. Um, please, please. So, Moff Gideon, Moff Gideon died. Um, we did see some Quote, clones. unquote. That's what I'm about to, about to ask. So first, I have one question I want to ask. So he talked about his clones having force powers, and I've read some people saying that his those Mandalorian troopers had force powers. I did I miss something? They didn't seem to have force powers to me. No, I think doesn't he say he was close to being yes. able to? So I, I think I think there's there's infinite options. You could never see Moff Gideon again because he died. He could come back because he was encased in Beskar and a, and a super trooper armor. I'm giving you the excuse they used to bring him back. Yeah. Um, or uh, you never saw it. Well, it doesn't even matter if you saw his face. It, he he comes back and he says, oh, I downloaded my consciousness into a, into a clone before I sent that one to fight you or, I mean, or, the, or I sent a clone yeah. to fight you and I escaped or whatever. That's what I was like. First of all, yes, he could have been fighting a clone. Second of all, Who's to say that like he only had like that's the only clone place he had because we've already seen at the end of uh, last season on that Imperial cruiser they were on 
that there were some clone little things there too. So who's to say he doesn't have more clones? So that was either a clone or we just like episode one, we just like have, you know, Brendel Hux, Brendel Hugs is how you properly pronounce his name, Commander Hugs. We don't have <laughs> we don't have hugs like opening up one of these deals and then like, you know, you know, Giancarlo Esposito walks out and is like, ah. I think crucially, me. let's go. Crucially, it's not cloning that they were trying to crack because they know how to do that. They were trying to clone, they were trying to make clones that were imbued with force powers. A. Yes. B, these these vats of clones weren't baby Giancarlo Espositos. These were adult middle-aged Giancarlo Espositos. So he's making copies. Yeah, oh no, 100%. That's why I feel like the that may have been like Moff Gideon Prime, but there's got to be like another there there he's out there. There's going to be another one. But I do think I do the question I think we have in terms of timeline like we're five years after Jedi, we got about thirty more years before we have to have like full First Order is in control. Kylo Ren is with the Knights of Ren. Snoke is like the head of the whole deal. So at some point we have to get Snoke. How close do you think we are to getting Snoke? Which I am going to be. I am more and more convinced that Snoke is going to be some sort of failed Palpatine clone. Absolutely. I think, I think we're, I mean, I, I assume we could be close. We could get it in Ahsoka. We could get it in the wrap up movie. Like it could be the very last thing that happens at the end of this big Mando Ahsoka. Which one? Do you want to know what my opinion? My theory is, of course, I think we're getting him in skeleton crew. You know, canonically, that's, uh, and that's, he, he appears in comic books as like a just a traveling wayfarer to uh to ben, he does? ben solo okay that's what i think i think we are going to get because we are getting kids in skeleton crew i think we are going to get a potentially young ben solo and i think we are that's the like the thing we're not being told is that Snoke is going to be, that's going to be like the big baddie in Skeleton Crew. Is that it's like discovery of, because there's like, why is this so critical to the whole, like this is being included in everything. It's most likely going to be the last thing we see, could be the last thing we see before the movie. I'm sure we'll get season four of Mando and maybe a season two of Ahsoka, but this has something to play into it, but it has, currently features nobody that we know of and known, unless they're like, oh no, like I said, Jude Law is Ray's father, Palpatine's son. I don't, you know what I mean? Like there's something that's not there that we're going to get there. It's, it's, it's hard to, it, I, I try to temper how much I read into and infer because, you know, like there was all this anticipation of like, you talked about the, who's going to be in this one. What are the appearances? What are the setups? And yeah. we didn't get, a lot of that even though there was some setup for it but what what how far do we read in yeah we got more setup for ahsoka in the penultimate episode than we did in the last episode absolutely you know, i still for some reason the one thing i i don't feel like you need to like jam people into these things anymore i do think we do need to get back to letting them exist on their own in addition to um 
having like the broader work you're trying to do. I do think it didn't make sense to not have Sabine in this episode because she does represent a certain faction of Mandalorians. Like Clan Wren is one of the clans and you keep putting out there that like, we did it, we united all of Mandalore, but I, but we know that there isn't, I mean, whether whether Clan Wren is maybe by this point her brother's dead or de everyone's dead, I don't know, but like, she's not there <laughs> when you're saying we that, might, like, Sorry to interrupt, but we might find oh, out that Ahsoka takes place at the Ooh. same time that this season of Mandalorian does, and the reason you don't see Thrawn is because he sends Paleon to, to the Shadow Council for him because he's off dealing with something that Ahsoka and Sabine and, and Ezra are putting him through. That's fun. I like that. And Harrison Dula. And Harrison Dula. And maybe, and, maybe and even, maybe uh, even a little, Zeb. Uh, Zebby, Zeb, Zeb, Zeb. Zeb and his lover, um, the Fulcrum. What, forget his name? Oh, um, oh, Chalice. Yes. Chalice. That's what I talk about people getting it on. How does that work? But anyway. <laughs> I'm sure there's stuff to rub. Look, everybody's yeah, hey. got something to rub. Okay. Everybody's. If you take nothing else from this episode of podcasting, it should be that everybody's got something to rub. Um, I wanted to. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like I do think there was something to this episode in terms of going back to saying like not having anybody, not directly setting up Ahsoka, not directly like having Ahsoka show up or whatever. We're just doing some references to Thrawn. We had the, um, I forget the name of them, the little whale creatures in the first episode. What are those called? The Purgle. The Purgle, which directly like the Purgle was how Thrawn, Ezra got he and Thrawn out of into hyperspace and lost throughout the universe was through the purple. We saw them earlier and then never saw them again the rest of the season. So we got little teases, but I feel like what this show, what this, I go back to, they decided to really just focus on Din and Grogu. Bring it back to what is the cornerstone. And that scene, the scene of Grogu being chased by the Praetorian guards and just flipping and flopping over on the lights was just like, I mean, he it's just all that stuff is so delightful. It's like, I love it. They leaned in. There's so many digital effects and that is like such a like base level effect happening. It's so wonderful. It's very, that I, I, I do. I'm at a point now where I need just a little bit of cleanup on his walking. I need a little because he just looks like he's walking on the front hem of his little gown there, and it, like he's just gonna trip, he's just gonna fall. Yeah, he, he does his. He does like a, a little bit. He does a little bit of a shimmy that doesn't look real, but at the same time, also like love it. And even though there's like stop motion shit happening with the droids, that I'm still kind of like that looks kind of wonky. But like, which we had like we had some like Clone Wars level droid stuff happening. What like there was that whole point of like. R four now, next next open the next door. Open yes, next, that, that whole sequence. Holy cow, that was so rad. That whole uh, thing, amazing. We haven't even touched on that. Like Din just being like, "All right, I've got no weapons. This is gonna get messy." Open the door. Then he just just crushes it the whole way through. Takes out everyone. Then has like multiple weapons by the time he makes it to the door. 
I am just, the weapon. But the fact that like the, at the same time we're getting like droid fighting off little droids, and then the other droids come by with like little sirens. I was like, we are in we are in like peak Clone Wars shit here with this right now. That that stuff that they accomplished, it's it's so Star Wars live action to just if you need the droid to move faster and there's nothing else in frame, just just speed up the speed footage. It up. Yeah, totally. That looks so <laughs> Star Wars to me. Those little mouse droids, you know, zipping around. You can tell when when they're just like, okay, just speed up. <laughs> yeah, it's so. I there's something to this whole idea of pretty much everything that's been made post uh, prequels about like no this the effects that were some of these effects that were done in the 70s and the early 80s this is how this is done and we have to stick to that because what the prequels were doing was which i think creates an inconsistent look is just this like you know everything is digital and we got people sitting in blue screens and green screens talking to no one and they're walking in in place for a lot of the shit in those <laughs> not even like not even moving through a space they're just like walking they're like lifting their legs up and down but um <laughs> the, big, the big walk in place march yeah but yeah i love that they were like well no this is how you do it like they could have like just digitally made freaking droids and had them run around but no they were like no we have to stop motion these mfers the the creature um, shop the revamp of the and, and rebirth of the Lucas film, or, or rather the ILM creature shop, is one of the unexpected ancillary benefits of all this stuff. I really love I love the aesthetic that their their work brings to all these yes. projects. I love that we have like Mon Calamari like talking and it's like the lips are barely moving like they did on the original Admiral Akbar. Like the reason why his lip sync wasn't dead on was because it was some guy moving that mouth and he was in there. You know what I mean? Like, or a, yeah, a mech yes. is doing it. Whereas like when we are in like the prequels, we're digitally making that person talk and it's smooth. And, but I just feel like, no, that's not how they talk. They talk like this. They talk like somebody's servo is not working properly. And this is the, someone's like, look, we're freaking trying, but this is the best we can do. And they're like, fuck it. That's how they talk. Like that's part of my French. That's how they talk, and that's how we are operating now. And I feel like that's what, and all the tech is simple. And no matter what it is, if it's the mind flare, it still has like four buttons total you can push. Like uh, that's what I'm into. I don't want like tons of, you know, gugas that we got in the prequels. Same, same, and likewise. Same and likewise. I want to bring something up that you brought up to me that you read on Reddit. Not that we are big proponents of bringing up Reddit threads, but one thing that this show and all these shows where we're leading to, because we are in the era of the New Republic, but we are slowly getting to, as was announced in Star Wars Celebration, the rise of the First Order. That's what Ahsoka, that's what Skeleton Crew, that's what the movie is going to be dealing with, was eventually, by the time we get to um, Force Awakens, the First Order is in full effect to the point where they can build a star killer base that's whatever 10 times the size of the death star um we then a lot of people are saying well how could this happen so quickly and i think there was a point that you read on a reddit there was that you know it took so much time for palpatine and so much planning and so much 
work on his end and years and years and years to slowly make the empire because there were tens of thousands of Jedi who supported the Republic and there are no Jedi supporting the Republic. There is, at the time, there's basically just Luke and he's rebuilding a Jedi order. There's Grogu is force sensitive. And there's, there's 10,000 10, warriors, 10,000 warriors who will be able to feel the pull and waves of the the force that you're going to have to use to build your army, go to war with the Republic, all that stuff. Even though Palpatine so, was strong enough to fool all of them, including the what someone that we've known. Another problem I have with the prequels, which is like Yoda was teased to us as being the greatest Jedi of all time, but he could still be easily outsmarted by somebody who was 10 feet away from him in Chancellor slash Emperor Palpatine. Anyway, but that just shows that the length of, but that's not in place now. We have no right. force-sensitive force, for lack of a better word, helping the New Republic be, be rebuilt. I mean, at the time and of, so, at the time of like Return of the Jedi, there's only like four confirmed force-sensitive people around. Yeah, we've got, we've got, if you include Vader, You've got Vader, you've got Luke, that's two. Ahsoka still exists and Ezra still exists. And then, so that's four. Leia. Isn't like uh, Leia's five. Isn't uh, what's Cal Kestis from those um, video games? Isn't he force sensitive? And do those take, we those take? Yeah, we don't know that he makes it into the original trilogy. The, his his oh, storyline right. is between three and four. Okay, and Kanan is dead. So Kanan is not there. So I'm trying to think if there's any other force. I mean, Grogu. Grogu's around. Grogu, um, uh, whoever saved, what's the guy, um, Ahmad Bess character, Kellerin? We don't know that he's still around. We just know that he gets him away from Order 66. There's a big gap between Order 66 and... Six. Uh, and yeah, so we're talking 18 years there. So yeah, and we have at least, we have five confirmed Jedi, one of whom Leia has done zero training. So we right. have like... Four actual force users who exist in the universe, and one of them dies at the end of. Uh, I guess you could say Palpatine is a force user because he's technically not dead now, which I still can't believe we have to operate in that freaking zone, but we do. <laughs> um, so that's six. So we've got Vader and, and Palpatine, Luke, Ezra. Grogu, and then Leia. So we only have one, two of whom actually have like functioning lightsabers and have training, which is Ezra and Luke. But Ezra, we have no idea where he's been. So yeah, of course the First Order is going to rise as quickly as they do because there isn't force-wielding MFers around. There's no Jedi even by the time of the sequel trilogy. There's not even a lightsaber to be found amongst anybody in the Resistance. There's no like Jedi by happenstance yeah when I, guess, Ray, I guess luke is the only person with any of that knowledge and he is not sharing it well we know that luke tried to start a school and we know that luke had students and then we know that kylo ren killed them all correct i believe that's what we and we know we tried luke tried to kill kylo ren and then kylo ren just we all we know is that he destroyed the jedi the new jedi temple and i think and he I took think, some students with him well, the Knights of Ren are different people who are also Force-sensitive. 
some of them some of the some of the knights of ren in comic lore there's a good run where you can read about how kylo ren got kind of corrupted with by the the knights of ren maybe i'll recommend that in my hoopla recommendations. Ooh, do so i can download it i'd love to read that i will um i've had some other questions here but we're we're doing great on time so we got to start wrapping up here soon um, this, this episode is called The Return. Last week was called The Spies, plural, and we, I thought maybe we were gonna get some reveal of someone being a spy other than Kane, but we didn't. This is called The Return, this episode. What is this The Return to? Is this The Return of Mandalore? Is this The Return of Din and Grogu? Like, what, what do we think The Return is that this episode is talking about? I think the return of Mandalorians to Mandalore, the return of Mandalore to Mandalorian rule. Yeah, but it could also be like the return of Praetorian guards, the return. I do think you're right. I do think you're right. But I do think there was this, the fact that they named it the return and you saw that first when you, we were teased Thrawn's name the week before. We know Ahsoka. We know that Luke came in the last season. Now, that was definitely them being like cute. Wink. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was definitely like John Favreau being like, let's call it the return. So everyone spends the whole episode wondering who's going to show up. And then we're going to give them flying battles in midair, which oh, are awesome. Chef's Holy kiss. cow. Just fighting in midair and not even like a goofy way. Like it looked really believable. When she pulled out the dark saber, oh, and it was like flying with it. I'm just like, so like, cool. Seven year old Kenny was like, and then she pulled out her lightsaber that was the, but it's the dark saber, and she yeah. was flying around with it, and wow, <laughs> so cool. And not I'm since 46. I saw not not since I saw Boba Fett ride a rancor have I had such a fan oh chubby. Oh my god, that was a thing that happened. <laughs> Somebody posted something online that was like, it was a picture of Andor, like the moment of Fiona Shaw during her funeral, which is like, God, that freaking show, man. That show crushes, like in terms of monologues, like crushes it. Fiona Shaw's monologue. And then it said, it had a picture of Fiona Shaw's monologue and a picture of the Mighty Morphin moped riders in Book of Boba Fett. And it was like, it just said, we got both of these pieces of Star Wars content in the same year. Yes, indeed. <laughs> like, one of the greatest, I mean, so you could go take it back an episode before, Stellan Skarsgård's monologue at the end of the penultimate episode of Andor, which is, I think, one of the greatest speeches in all of Star Wars. Indeed. You, you take that and you put it against what is arguably, like, Jar Jar level stupidity is the 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 guys on the mopeds such a weird <laughs> such a weird take star wars is all of it baby star wars, star wars is all of it thank you baby i love it well so uh speaking of star wars is this star trek or star wars is star wars baby come on oh my god oh come my god on. this you could not get more star wars than this this is like star warsian star wars you got droids on a little D story, you had Mandalorians, you had force wielders, you had cruisers, and oh, this was, you had you had the Empire in its full regalia, like letting it rip. I mean, this was, this was Star Wars at its best. This was Star Wars Prime, baby. Star Wars Prime. I think that's a good way to talk about this. It is. All right, uh, winners and losers, 
big winners. Who's winners for this episode? The winner is uh, is like you said, the seven year old me who used to have you know have the little figurines and you know you flying them through the air and cracking their their helmets together. And this was somebody doing that with like several million dollars, which is what Star Wars is goddamn supposed to be. So well, I like think the little the little millions of dollars, the little tiny uh, fan inside of me is today's yeah. big winner. Uh, yeah, my I think I'd say that winner as well. I want to say also too, big winner is the number of times they accurately had Grogu step in going no, no, no in the IG-12. Like when he came in, when Din was fighting and he came in and was like, no, 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 try to get the guards away from Din. I was like, man, they are using this perfectly. That was Absolutely. Like, like not just great story-wise, but great character-wise. Like, ugh. Just loved it. All right. I've got two losers this week. Okay. Um, we have an obvious loser always, Sam Shrimpenboat. We were on Mandalore. That boat was skidding across the, the, the top of Mandalore last episode. There's no reason why we couldn't have been there. We went back to the ocean planet to go see Tiva. Could have been a boat there. Cut, to the, there. cut to the inside of the, of the, the big battle cruiser. Bogatan is like, leave it up there as a decoy. Axe goes, wait, I've got a better idea. And he crashes Sam's shrimping boat into the Imperial base and kills I mean, Moff Gideon. I mean, how poetic would that have been? I mean, incredible. Uh, the other big loser I said was we went we went back to a beach, and you know what no one was doing on that beach? Nobody was firing a damn missile into no the one, water. We had opportunities to see some rebels just chillaxing on the beach, cranking some <laughs> tunes with a big ghetto ghetto blaster playing some volleyball shooting some guns into the shooting some guns into the water fighting on the beach there's a lot of beach there baby we could have had some beach boys doing beach boy things but nope nope we had to cut to the bar where everyone's being boring as f come we on did, man we, we saw we saw din and grogu land and then cut to them walking into the bar i think if you'd seen the canopy open and din jump out he probably would have Took a couple of shots right into the sea before he hit into the bar, <laughs> and then just and just a real, <laughs> real quick guitar sting. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's all we need, baby. I have one more. <laughs> I have one more thing that I've wanted to say about Star Wars, and I keep forgetting it. And I remembered it this week that I want to bring up, and it has to do with Coruscant. And I just want I want like two minutes to go off on a little bit of a soapbox, if you don't mind me for a second, okay? Fuck me up with it. Pardon my friend. What I don't understand when we've got flying cars, and especially in Coruscant, we've got a lot of flying cars, and they always seem to show flying cars in some sort of like proper traffic line in the distance, correct? Right? Yeah. But whenever we're with our character on Coruscant, they just seem to be flying wherever the F they want. And I don't don't understand like Coruscant flying traffic laws. Like, do you just get to fly willy nilly wherever the f you want, or do you have to get in the traffic? It doesn't make. There's a whole. Do you know what I mean? I do. There's a I whole do. lot of. And this carries over into other flying stuff. Like when Back to the Future Two, there's all kinds of traffic, but then we can just peel off the traffic and go wherever. Very inconsistent. I just want some consistency with my Coruscant traffic laws. Give me an. Here's my. Here's my pitch. I want to pitch this to Disney Plus. It's an office-style sitcom that takes place in Coruscant, but it is just about traffic, people who give tickets for moving violations. That's my that's my pitch. 
Uh, that's all I want to do so we can get some traffic laws laid out. We can also have a funny time in an office-style sitcom. That's all I'm saying. Well, uh, Kenny, Kenny, here in the real world, we have a corollary. You know, uh, uh, there are laws on the books. Yeah. And, but that doesn't mean people 100% always abide by them. Illegal I know, but like, there's so and... much open space. And we're always seeing, especially when it's like, where it's like there was an episode where Pershing's being taken home. And they're just seemed, and you can see the traffic in the distance, but they're just like flying around wherever. And I'm just like, what? Give me some consistency with my Kurosawa. That's all maybe I it's want. Just like, maybe it's just like exiting a freeway. like And and instead of having to be on and, some big path, you're like, oh, I'm going to get out of the lane there because I, I got to fly down like, there. A city that has like so much population and you're trying to tell me that car, that there's, there's all the traffic, but there's also just all this free space where you're not going to have a car in front or behind you. Like, come on, there's supposed to be trillions of people on that planet. Anyway, that's that's all I want to say. <laughs> I love it. I, I agree with you. Let's do it. Let's write it. Um, let's pitch it. Do we have another sponsor? Call Kevin Feige. Call Kevin Feige. Do we have another um, for our, our disgusting sense? Yeah, Marcel's Insane Emporium. Uh, only bad smelling incense. Uh, new shipments are arriving daily. They've got scents like underwig. Uh, <laughs> sitting air. Passing uh, air. And they've got a big cellar, and it's called Fart Piss. <laughs> Holy shit. It's called Fart Piss? It's called Fart Piss. There's a dash. It's hyphenated. Fart Piss. Amazing. All right, Alex. Yeah, you'll, like... say, you, you'll say it's insane. Insane. All right, Alex. Do you know what time it is? Uh, Yes, I do. It's game time. It's well um, past the time we were supposed to turn in the damn podcast. I'm sorry. Well, Josh McCougar, where it's coming, don't worry. Um, All right. Are you ready to play this game that I got for you today? Let's do it. This game is called Star Trek Star Quiz, okay? And it's meant oh. to be it is meant to be a little bit of rapid fiery because we're going to have we got seven questions, all right? And they are multiple choice. Ooh, okay. Are you ready? Let's do it. These are all Star Trek related questions. Here we go. NBC rejected the pilot for Star Trek. Which famous comedian got them to take another look? Lucille Ball, Bob Hope, Lenny Bruce, Don Rickles. Lucille Ball. That is correct. Number two, what is Deanna Troy's favorite food? Grapes, caraway seeds, chocolate, chai tea. Chocolate. Yes, you're killing this. Three, what weapon did Kirk and Spock use when they fought for possession of Tpring during Spock's Ponfar ritual in a mock time? A Lerpa, a Sherpa, a Yodel, or a Lemur? A Yerpa. Uh, and no, it's the, some people would say it's a Lerpa, but the correct answer is how high was Roddenberry when he came up with that one? <laughs> number four. Indeed. Number four. Who was originally cast as Captain Janeway? Suzanne Summers, Chloe Sevigny, Genevieve Bajold, or Valerie Bertinelli? Valerie Bertinelli. Nope, Genevieve Bajold. Who created Damn. the Bajoran wormhole? The Prophets, the Giza, the Klingons, the Doctarians? The Doctarians? The Prophets. Ah, come on. Number six. Which character serves as the head of security for the space station, Deep Space Nine? Kudo, Odo, Bruto, or Bluto? Odo. Odo. Correct answer is actually, truly, give me whatever Roddenberry was on. I need to expand <laughs> my mind. I need to expand my mind and give meaning to my existence. And number, finally, question number seven. In which Star Trek series did writer Larry Niven introduce the cat-like alien race? The Kinzi, no, sorry, the the Kizinti into the Star Trek universe. Star Trek: The Animated Series, 
the next generation deep space nine or voyager the animated series the cat-like alien race some would say is from the star trek the animated series the correct answer is gimme gimme that sweet sweet psychedelics <laughs> if you microdose them and, and sorry if you microdose them they can add so many benefits for anxiety and depression but it's that macro dose that takes you all the way to turkey town baby life is something that we all need to expand on and if we learn nothing from star trek maybe we can learn that it's that delicate balance between present and future that we should all be managing but hopefully with that sweet sweet candy of the mind that one can only assume everyone on the set of the original star trek was grooving on all the time because come on a fucking cat like aliens called the kinsey and then to think to spell it with a k then a z come on let's fucking go <laughs> I think that might have been the best monologue in Star Wars, Kenny. You're welcome. All right. <laughs> so we have one more uh, ad read from uh, the Incense, Insane Sense, whatever. It's Marcel's Insane Emporium. And they uh, just for our listeners, today only, if you go in and you buy two ooh, you nasties, uh, you, <laughs> will also, you will also get a free stick of, when's the last time you changed these sheets? It's Marcel's Insane Emporium. You'll say, it's insane. When's the last time you changed these sheets? Holy cow. Oh, my God. I love that. The, the intonation of it, too, is that, does it, does it have, like, a, uh, does it have that, like, line reading on it? It's the, the, before the sentence is written out is the emoji with its little, like, side talk and side eyes. When's the last time you changed these sheets? <laughs> Incredible. All right, so this is the part we like gently teased earlier. Hoopla recommendations. Hoopla, you can go, you use your library card, you can get on your phone, your iPad, your desktop computer, you put it in, you can check out all kinds of digital comics. Uh, Alex, what's your recommendation? Uh, Hawkman by Jeff Johns, book oh, one. Maybe yes. Uh, just fun. Jeff Johns loves Hawkman. I love Jeff Johns. This is, I think, from before he got super powerful at DC and and became a, like the executive, creative director, Superman's boss man. I love it. Um, I teased it. I found it. Uh, this is I. This is called Star Wars: The Rise of Kylo Ren. It's by Charles Sewell, who has done a lot of cool uh, Marvel uh, Star Wars comics. Uh, this is issues one through four. It's part of the whole Rise of Kylo Ren series. It is basically getting you into some of the backstory uh, while Kylo Ren is being kind of corrupted by the Knights. Of, well, Ben Solo is being corrupted by the Knights of Ren. It's very, very cool. Tons of cool Star Wars lore. Well-written. The Knights of Ren are they are bonker balls. A lot of fun. I would love to see them in live action. That's my recommendation. Alex, what did your dogs think of the finale of Mandalorian? Well, uh, we have a we have a guest staying with us. Uh, his name is Gus. He's a golden doodle. And uh, he, he told me afterwards that he thought that the iris out on just uh, Grogu and Din Djarin was such a classic callback to not only westerns but serialized westerns and the kind of stuff that that star wars has so heavily borrowed from uh you know for since the beginning uh, and he just was really taken for that and i thought that was pretty impressive because he just turned one that is impressive my dog still didn't make it out of the bedroom so we're still trying to find something for her to be interested in 
Um, I thought I could make it all the way to the closing here without having to go to the bathroom, but I gotta pee like it's I gotta I can't make it. I gotta go pee right now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> be right back. Go, go do it. I'll vamp. Uh, while Kenny's going to the restroom, uh, I'll tell you this: there are there are times when things will occur in life that uh, they're a little outside of what we plan for. Um, you know, it can be uh, something as innocent as having to go to the bathroom at the very end, like at the two yard line of uh of a of a podcast recording and you know and and you know oddly enough i find that people still say oh is it the two yard line i'm like it's still six feet away man that's not that close depending i mean i know we're talking about like proportionality you've made it like you know at that point 98 percent of the way across the field um and i'm assuming it, when you're using this metaphor that it's just that last bit till you are able to score your six points on a touchdown but six feet's not nothing and especially in the game of football, which is a game, uh, famously, they'll tell you this. You ask any Hall of Famer, and they'll tell you this. Uh, you know, from from Emmett Smith to uh, to Red Tillamook, uh, they'll tell you that uh, football is indeed and in fact a game of inches. And so, you know, when you're talking about six feet, how many inches is that? Well, it's hard to say. And some would say there's no real way to tell. Hey, Kenny. Well done. Well done. Way to vamp the whole time. Thank um, I, I, I tried so hard, but I was like, oh no, this is, this needs to happen. Well, it's not, anyway, hey, hey, it's not good for you to hold it, Kenny. It's not, it's not good for you, especially at my age. Uh, Alex, where can the folks find you? Um, you know, in a ditch by the side of a freeway plotting. I love it. Uh, you can find me at Kenny G Stevenson on Twitch and, uh, TikTok and Letterboxd. I mean, I had some hot takes on there this week. Get at me. Um, this is it. We did it. I don't know what we're going to do next week. We don't have any more Mandalorian, and we don't have anything until Guardians, so we'll have to find something fun to talk about it'll, next week. It'll, it'll be an extravaganza where we 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 take back the thing that I said earlier about get it, get off our get off my fucking back <laughs> about, <laughs> about, about sending in the podcast. Yep, yep, yep. We'll have something for you next week, and thanks for listening this week. We did it. And I And I love everybody. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.